Countrywide on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by the Irish Farmers Journal, bringing 379,000 readers the latest farming news and the best of rural Ireland weekly. Well, it's been a week of strong language and high emotion. Hasta la vista, baby. Thank you. Astonishing scenes of Westminster with reports of jostling, manhandling, bullying and shouting outside the parliamentary lobbies in a supposed vote of confidence in the government. The deputy chief whip was reported to have left the scene saying, I'm absolutely effing furious. I just don't effing care anymore. Before All we know right now is, unless she tells us otherwise, that the prime minister is cowering under her desk and asking for it all to go away. Well, the Prime Minister is not uh, under a desk, as the... <laughs> They're all gone. So why is she still here? Yeah. Mr Speaker, I am a fighter and not a quitter. I have therefore spoken to His Majesty the King to notify him that I am resigning as leader of the Conservative Party. Well, 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 what a week, what a couple of days. Yes, a week is quite definitely a long week in politics. Economist Jim Powers with me here. Jim, um, I suppose a lot of people listening to us say, why are we so fascinated with what's happening across the water? That's British politics. But it does have a knock-on effect here, I'm sure. Yeah, it does, of course. There's obviously the historical relationship, so we're always going to be interested in UK politics. But there is the very real economic relationship as well. I mean, despite the fact that our trade reliance on the United Kingdom has fallen dramatically over the last 30, 40 years. And that's been a direct result of Ireland's policy towards greater integration into the European Union. But still, it accounts for, this year it'll account for 10% probably of our merchandise mm. exports. And within the foods, the agri-food sector, it's roughly 36, 37%. So for certain segments of the Irish economy, the UK is still a very important market. And if you think about small and medium enterprise, small companies, you know, those that are engaged in exporting, it's primarily to the UK because it's the easiest market Mm. to get into the same language. The whole regulatory environment, at least up until very recently, was very similar. So it was culturally, it was an easy market to get into. So for for sections of the Irish economy, particularly the SME exporting sector, and within that, agri-food is obviously very important. The UK is still really, really important. And of course, um, it's a G7 country, so what happens in UK financial markets reverberates everywhere else. Um, the the relationship with sterling is important. Yeah, um, and it's been going up and down. It's, the it's, it's, yeah. it's been incredibly volatile. I mean, the main, the, I guess the main move on foreign exchange markets in recent times has been extreme dollar strength against the yen, um, against the euro more particularly against sterling in recent times and and I guess the the sort of the Irish euro relationship with yeah. sterling is is the sort of something that falls out of that but it has been really really volatile and if you are anybody trading with the UK either as an importer or an exporter dealing in that sort of volatile foreign exchange market makes life very very complicated and of course the who knows at this juncture the thing's just so crazy but the prognostications for sterling at this juncture would not be great given what's happening in the economy and so on. Yeah, so for us political anoraks sitting back with the popcorn watching this uh, Halloween uh, horror movie, it's probably a bit of fun, but there is the serious side of it as well. I just wonder, 
it does all of this, what's going on right now, does it stem back to David Car- Cameron's capitulation to the Tory Eurosceptics almost a decade ago? In other words, is this purely Brexit related? Well, I think it's very heavily Brexit related, not totally because the, the sort of schisms within the Tory party over the relationship with Europe, you know, they go back to Thatcher and indeed before Thatcher. And in fact, uh, you can get some quotes from Churchill back in the day where he was talking about the um, uneasy relationship with the European Union. But anyway, I, I definitely think on the 23rd of June 2016, the whole thing cap- yeah. capitulated. And since then, everything in the UK is being seen through the prism of are you either for or against Brexit? Yeah. And of course, the... Um, promises that were made about Brexit by the pro-Brexiteers, none have come to pass. Mm. And in fact, from a UK economic perspective, Brexit has been a fundamental disaster. And I mean, the notion, Damien, that you could walk away from free access to a market in excess of 400 million people to do trade deals with countries thousands of miles away never made sense. Okay, but the, but I suppose at the same time when you say that a lot of, a lot of um, the predictions haven't come true, you could say that on the other side as well because there was an awful lot of talk about the Irish agricultural sector collapsing altogether as a result of Brexit. Now, I know we still have the protocol in the, in the mix and a Northern Assembly that's not sitting. So east-west, north-south trade, probably we haven't seen the manifestation of that yet in a negative light. No, from an overall UK perspective, it's reckoned that it has knocked about 16% off their exports over you know the last couple of years so that that is significant for a trading nation like the UK for Ireland um, there's, there's a few factors I think at play here number one the protocol has ensured that the trade relationship with Northern Ireland has strengthened dramatically in both directions so that's been good mm. and you know I assume a lot of the stuff we export north eventually finds its way into Great Britain um, we also continue to see um, a diversification by the Irish agri-food sector into other markets because they realise there was a challenge here and these entrepreneurs in the agri-food sector have responded to that. But it is also the case that the UK has a fundamental shortage of food and um, they have to get it somewhere. And and, and despite the, 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 the changed Brexit environment, Ireland is still you know, a good client for the UK economy. Well, you just mentioned food there and the cost of living. Food inflation up uh, 10.2% in September. Uh, the CSO uh, wholesale price index up overall 8.9%, including an increase of 53% in dairy products. So this is what it's costing manufacturers to buy dairy products from the wholesaler at. What's that? What's the net impact going to be on us this winter and the food? Well, well I mean, I, I, one of the key themes since the Ukraine war particularly has been on energy and energy price inflation but the one that has been becoming increasingly important is what's happening on the food side because obviously global food production has been seriously damaged undermined by the Ukraine crisis the use of fertilizer etc has been cut back dramatically in some countries so I think we're in for a winter of significantly more expensive food. I just can't reach any other conclusion at the moment. And indeed, and it it remains to be seen, but I, I, I would have my suspicions that this elevated food price inflation could carry over into 23 and beyond because, you know, excuse me, the grain crop in Ukraine has been significantly damaged. But also, I think there's a distinct risk that poor countries, particularly that produce rice, over 50% of mankind depends on rice. Yeah. If they've cut back significantly on more expensive fertiliser, well then, the yield from that crop 
is going to suffer. And you superimpose on all of that the impact that climate change is having on food production. I would be, you know, concerned that after 30, well, maybe it's not a concern on my part because I've always believed this 20-year cycle of food price deflation was never sustainable and that it was time that consumers started paying um, a, a realistic price for food that actually rewarded the producers of that food. Um, and, I, and I think that's going to become a bigger theme. But unfortunately, all of this is happening for reasons you would not have wanted, Absolutely. the wrong reasons. But uh, I, yeah, in, a, in a nutshell, I think food price inflation. The thing that's a little bit surprising is that we're not hearing very much from farmers at the moment. Maybe I'm just not mixing <laughs> in the right circles. But They're not but, complaining. No, they're not complaining. Yeah. And, and, and if you look at the agricultural input and output price indices, I mean, output prices are up by over 30%. Yeah, yeah. No, they are. But they in, are under pressure in but inputs. Input prices, but absolutely. Fertiliser costs the last 12 months up over 100 Yeah, yeah. No, there's no doubt. The input yeah. cost to making food has gone through the roof and for secondary processors as well. But the price that farmers are getting, particularly dairy farmers at the moment, are, are at a record high in grain prices as well. Jim, we're going to leave it there. Thank you very much for joining us on the programme this morning.